Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the Feast of St. Jerome. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and and to you, my brothers and sisters, that that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. O God, who gave the priest, St. Jerome, a living and tender love for sacred scripture, grant that your people may be ever more fruitfully nourished by your word and find in it the fount of life. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Job. Job spoke to his friends. Indeed, I know it is as you say. How can man be in the right against God? If any were so rash as to challenge him for reasons, one in a thousand would be more than they could answer. His heart is wise and his strength is great. Who then can successfully defy him? He moves the mountains, though they do not know it. He throws them down when he is angry. He shakes the earth and moves it from its place making all pillars tremble. The sun, at his command, forbears to rise, and on the stars he sets a seal. He and no others stretched out the skies and trampled the sea's tall waves. The bear, Orion too, are of his making, the Pleiades and the mansions of the south. His works are great, beyond all reckoning, his marvels past all counting. Were he to pass me, I should not see him, nor detect his stealthy movement. Were he to snatch a prize, who could prevent him, or dare to say, what are you doing? How dare I plead my cause then, or choose arguments against him? Suppose I'm in the right, what use is my defence? For he whom I must sue is judge as well. If he deigned to answer my citation, could I be sure that he would listen to my voice? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let my prayer come before you, Lord. Let my prayer come before you, Lord. I call to you, Lord, all the day long. To you I stretch out my hands. Will you work your wonders for the dead? Will the shades stand and praise you? Let my prayer come before you, Lord. Will your love be told in the grave, or your faithfulness among the dead? Will your wonders be known in the dark, or your justice in the land of oblivion? Let my prayer come before you, Lord. As for me, Lord, I call to you for help. In the morning my prayers come before you. Lord, 
Why do you reject me? Why do you hide your face? Let my prayer come before you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I count all things worthless but this, to gain Jesus Christ and to be found in him. Hallelujah. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus and his disciples travelled along, they met a man on the road who said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another to whom he said, Follow me, replied, Let me go and bury my father first. But he answered, Leave the dead to bury their dead. Your duty is to go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, sir, but first let me go and say goodbye to my people at home. Jesus said to him, Once the hand is laid on the plough, no one who looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. All right, we're back with the book of Job. Um, And a quick update, like what's happened in the meantime. We've jumped forward to chapter 9. So on Monday, we heard about the discussion that Satan and God were having about Job. And, uh, you know, God was admiring Job, saying, have you seen how faithful my servant is? And Satan goes, yeah, but that's because you blessed him, right? Like he loves you because of what you give him. So here comes the challenge, right? He'll take away the blessings. So the Sabaeans come and uh, steal his oxen and his donkeys uh, and then kill his servants. Then we hear that lightning has come down from heaven, that fire has fallen um, and burnt up the sheep and the shepherds that he had. Then the Chaldeans come and they steal the camels and kill his servants. So basically, you know, Job, who was an extremely wealthy man, is now suddenly destitute. But then we find out that his kids were having a bit of a dinner party at the eldest brother's house, and a gale came, and the house fell down, and they were all killed. But what was clearly the worst day of Job's life becomes worse, because from head to toe, he comes to be covered with malignant ulcers. And then he takes a piece of pottery in order to scrape the wounds on his body. And it's at this point Job's wife goes, look, mate, just curse God, God will kill you, it'll be done. And, you know, Job chimes in and goes, no, 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 hang on a second. If we take happiness from the hands of God, must we not take sorrow too? And you sort of pause there and go, holy moly, this, this, bloke's, this bloke's got guts. He really does. Having suffered the loss of everything he holds dear, from his fortune to his family to his health, he won't curse God. Well, it's at this point, Job's got three mates that come to bring him some consolation. There's Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. Uh, I say those names only in case it comes up on a trivia night, but, you know, they're Job's comforters. 
as they come to be known. And they sit with him in his misery. He sits on a dung heap, covers himself in dust. He tears his robes and he weeps. And for seven days and seven nights, they sit there in dead silence. And it's Job who speaks first. And you can tell, like, he's fed up. He says, Perish the day on which I was born, on the night that told of a boy conceived. May that day be darkness. May God on high have no thought of it. May no light shine on it. May murk and shadow dark as death claim it for their own. Clouds hang over it. Eclipse swoop down on it. Wow. Listen to the pain. He goes on, right? Why was I not stillborn? Or why did I not perish as I left the womb? Why were there knees to receive me, breasts for me to suck? Now I should be lying in peace, wrapped in a restful slumber, with the kings and high viziers of earth who have built their dwellings in desolate places, or with princes who have quantities of gold and silver cramming their tombs. Or put away like an abortive child, I should not have existed like little ones that never see the light. Now that's pretty raw, right? It's an expression of such intense psychic pain. He basically comes to the conclusion that all the blessings that he'd received in his life are nothing to compare with the sorrow that he experiences now. And that his sufferings outweigh the blessings by such a degree that it would just have better had he not been born. I don't know, I think some of us probably have a sense of what Job's going through at this point. But having cursed the day of his birth, it's now that Job's three friends chime in. His comforters decide to offer a piece of advice to the man who's suffering so acutely. Now Eliphaz chimes in, he sort of goes, well, look, God is just. He does good things to good people. So for all of this bad stuff to happen, well, clearly God is offering you some kind of correction. So turn to the Lord. Blessed are those whom God corrects, says Eliphaz. Do not then scorn the lesson of Shaddai, of God, right? For he who wounds is he who soothes the sore, and the hand that hurts is the hand that heals. But in a, you know, sort of long poetic discourse, Job kind of responds, but I haven't rebelled against God's laws. Like, I haven't haven't done anything. You say God is just and God does good things to good people, well, I don't see how I'm not a good person, so how did this come about? Now, I think we need to take Job at his word as well. Like, not sort of go, oh, well, you must be some kind of sinner because the fact that you don't think you are is probably a sign that you are, that you are blind to your own sinfulness. And yet, When we go back to the beginning of the book of Job, even God acknowledges that Job is good and righteous. So, you know, when Job is sort of going, hang on a second, I don't know what I've done wrong. Well, we do need to acknowledge that, you know, even God finds this man righteous. So where is the suffering coming from? At this point, Job's getting frustrated. Uh, Frustrated with his friends, but you know what? 
frustrated with God too. Because where is this suffering coming from if it's not something that he has deserved? The first reading that we have today is Job speaking to his friends and and telling them just how big God is. And he freely says, I know it is as you say, how can man be in the right against God? If any were so rash as to challenge him for reasons, one in a thousand would be more than they could answer. His heart is wise and his strength is great, then who can successfully defy him? But despite that, Job, he still thinks he's got a case against God, that he's suffering unjustly. So either God is unjust or he's just but deals unjustly in the world. And so he goes, okay, well, if I've got a case against God, what good does that do me? He says, how dare I plead my cause then or choose arguments against him? Suppose I'm in the right. What use is my defense? For he whom I must sue is judge as well. If he deigned to answer my citations, could I be sure that he would listen to my voice? Well, here's a guy who's angry with God. But you know what? At least he's honest with God. He feels hard done by. And, you know, rightly so. He is a just man who has received a great deal of suffering. But there's the struggle. There's something in the logical path that needs to snap. Because Job is suffering unjustly, yet God is just and God deals justly with the world. So, why is Job suffering? Well, the conclusion of his friends is, well, you must have done something, mate. There's something you've done to deserve what it is that you're receiving. And yet Job is challenged. No, I'm not suffering justly. I don't deserve what I've got. So, either God is just but deals unjustly in the world, or God is unjust and therefore deals unjustly in the world. In a very eloquent way, the scriptures has summed up that cry that comes from the human heart. Why? Well, Job thinks God's got some explaining to do. So listen up and see how this unfolds. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, 
I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic. O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father. Amen.